Musical Theater Writer Guy is recorded as a YouTube channel series on Muncie Lenape and Canarsie lands. The audio from each episode is also released here in podcast form. To watch or to learn more, please find us on YouTube or through my website at michaelraddy.com. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-R-A-D-I dot com. Enjoy the show! If you take another step in that direction, there's no going back. Think carefully. Do you really want to throw it all away? If I can't love her Rain and Act 1 finales are some of the most memorable musical theater numbers. Songs that stick with us long after we've left the theater. And when they're good, they're super effective. But why? Before we look at some iconic examples and how they function, we need to know why Act 1 finales are there and what they're doing for us within the story. No matter what type of musical you're watching and what type of structure it has, there comes a point in every story where if the action keeps moving further in a specific direction, there will be no chance of going back to the way things were previously. The protagonist may be on the verge of a decision, or a group may commit an irrevocable action, or the world you've created may choose to change its basic function. These moments are known as the point of no return. As the point of no return. Sounds heavy, doesn't it? And it can be, but it doesn't have to be. All these numbers have to do is to make it clear that the main characters and this world can never go fully back to the way they were before. And bonus points if it also creates a killer cliffhanger to get audiences back in their seats for Act 2. Let's begin looking at the types of Act 1 finales with some very well-known examples. One of the more classic types of Act 1 finales is where the protagonist makes a decision that ultimately changes everything for themselves and or the world itself. In Defying Gravity, Elphaba decides to live fully as herself and to use her magical ability to its fullest potential, even if it scares people and makes her ultimately a villainized outcast. When Fanny Bryce decides to say, fine, I'll do it anyway, and marry Arnstein, knowing fully well that it could end poorly, we get the iconic Don't Rain on My Parade. Jo March finds that she cannot abide marrying Laurie and tying herself to a life that doesn't feel genuine. She's gonna have to find a different way to make her mark upon the world. Bam! Astonishing. In Frozen, after running away, Elsa finds herself in a place that feels oddly at home for her. And so for the first time, in forever, she feels comfortable unleashing her power without fear. And so we get Let It Go. In another classic example, when June runs away from Rose in Gypsy, Rose turns all of her attention and her optimism on Louise and sings, Everything's coming up, Roses! Bobby and company sings Marry Me a Little. And yes, I do realize that this was not in the original production, but it's been put back in every subsequent production for a reason. Even though Bobby's language is affirmative, like he has made the decision, it is clear to the audience that this is really more of a desperate musing than it is an actual decision point. And in Hair, Claude sings Where Do I Go, asking the question of what will become of him whether or not he burns his draft card. Sadly, I think most people miss this because of all the beautiful naked people 
people on stage, but it's there. But what about those moments where the act one finale isn't centered on just one person singing, but multiple people singing? How do small and big group actions change the world in similar ways? Also, if you want to learn more about song placement and musical theater structure, make sure to check out the Musical Theater Writing Collective by clicking the link in the description below. Immediately, La Vie Bohème from Rent comes to mind. Not only do we get a lot of intimate conversations between the main characters, which leave us hanging until the next act, but as a group, they all get in the faces of Benny and Mr. Gray, making sure that it is clear they are not going to take that corporate money and they are not going to surrender. Act one of Sweeney Todd ends with the delightful A Little Priest, in which Sweeney and Mrs. Lovett decide to lean into going fully off their rockers, you know, deciding to murder people and then bake them into pies as a monetary scheme to get to their ultimate goals. One of the most famous Act 1 finales, One Day More from Les Mis, consists of a large group of people all making individual decisions that overlap with each other and will certainly end in at least heartbreak, if not also death. Or how about a weekend in the country from a little night music? All of our characters, whose lives and intertwined drama have remained relatively aloof, all decide to lean into the risk of being in the same place at the same time. Ooh, a scandal. And the last category that I want to mention today, for there are others that exist, is when the world itself shifts. This can be due to the actions of one character, but it is usually more widespread and complicated than that and is therefore sung by a larger group. In Morning Glow, Charlemagne's kingdom decides to crown Pippin in the hopes of a better tomorrow. Similarly, in At the Rise from the King's Legacy, Anne Boleyn marries Henry and is crowned queen, forever changing England. In Sunday, from Sunday in the Park with George, George finally puts all the pieces together of his masterpiece painting and creates the world he's been chasing, all while changing the art world. And in Legally Blonde, Elle is admitted into the highly coveted internship and celebrates that fact and so much better, forever changing the dynamic of this group of people and the entire Harvard Law class. In any and all of these cases, there's a seismic shift in the world, progressing the story in a way where we now have to continue. There is no chance of going backwards. And that is super captivating to our very story-oriented brains. And when these intense dramatic moments are paired with exciting music writing and lyric writing, they become these powerhouse numbers that are almost impossible to forget. But in order to get to this point, the world and the characters have to be super well established in the opening numbers, which you can learn more about by clicking here next. Otherwise, thank you all for being here with me today and I'll see you again soon. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Musical Theater Writer Guy, available wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to rate and review this show as it really helps others to discover what you already know. And please do share this show far and wide so we may all become an even closer musical theater community.